0: It's a Tuesday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Game day for the Toronto Raptors. So you get a double dip of us today as we will be back later on this evening with the play-by-play action of the Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs as Toronto looks to get to 500 and maybe springboard what could be a very successful, very important month of January. And oh yeah, by the way, Jonesy, I don't know if we actually have any kind of influence, but I'm going to pretend that we do. We spent a great deal of time yesterday discussing the schedule for the Raptors and when they're going to make up all of these games that they missed and all of the postponements, et cetera, and how they're going to jam them in. And lo and behold, a couple of hours after we uh, get off the air, a release comes out from the NBA announcing all of the postponed games around the association with makeup dates. And it wasn't just trying to jam in games, obviously much uh, bigger brains than ours, It involved moving current games to different dates to slide in the postponed makeup dates and trying to find better schedules and flight patterns and everything for everybody else. And the bad news, I shouldn't say bad news, the potentially bad news is that the date for Kyle Lowry's return to Toronto for the first time since being in a heat uniform is now two days earlier. And there are a lot of people already starting to question, wonder, theorize, speculate, and fear that perhaps the lockdown measures might still be in place and it could be an empty arena when Kyle Lowry comes to town. Before I throw it over to you, Jonesy, I'll just quickly tell the folks that might have missed this, the game that was originally scheduled for December 16th against Chicago at Scotiabank Arena is now February 3rd. That February 3rd game against the Heat has now been moved up to February 1st. December 20th against Orlando will now be played on March 4th at Scotiabank Arena. Then the road games. Game originally scheduled for December 22nd at Chicago will now be January 26th. The February 1st game at Atlanta, which was originally scheduled, is now bumped up two days. They will be in Atlanta on January 31st. And as as a result of all the shuffling that I just mentioned... The January 26th game at Brooklyn has been taken off the schedule and pushed a month later to February 28th. So there you have it. Six games moving around in and out for the Raptors. So I'm sure they'll have to uh, re-release their schedule, and you can pretty much throw out your fridge magnet now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I saw it yesterday uh, when the email came through, and I realized, wait a minute, why are they moving? And then I thought, of course, you have to move games because the Raptors don't have a lot of them. It must be a nightmare for um, finding the, the replacement game for the Nets because they're on national TV all the time, and there are only certain days. So, you know, the Ra- the return of Kyle Lowry is a game that, never mind the, the, in Canada, but the U.S. networks want to cover. So there are only certain days and certain times when they can have those games, so it means the dominoes go into into effect and start, uh, you know, start start moving games and dates. And uh, Raptors have had road games moved, and it, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But uh, I'm glad it's not us. He, as I said yesterday, glad it's not us, and they got it all done. But I, I had my uh, I had my bingo card out there a minute ago while you were <laughs> moving, moving all the dates around. Uh, and and I, I have the same fear that the Kyle Lowry game is going to take place with an within empty arena. Uh, and if that's the case, just push the celebration back. Uh, you know, let, the, uh, let that night happen next year and hopefully there's no COVID. I mean, you've got to play the game still, but uh, just save all the celebrations for the next time.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> Danny Greens still waiting for his championship ring, right? We talked about that so- last week.
1: <laughs> I saw something on uh I saw something on Twitter E that said the pandemic will end when Danny Green gets his 2019 championship ring.
0: <laughs> hey. You know what? Make him give up the ring if that's what ends it. Sorry, Danny, you don't get a ring anymore. If, if if the ring, it's like the Thanos ring or something, you know, like like Danny Green's holding everything up. If it means that Danny Green doesn't get his championship ring but the pandemic ends, I got to believe knowing Danny Green, he'd give it up, but you're right. It's, it, is, it is just crazy how... I mean, he even said, and we talked about this, what, last week or a week or two ago, uh, he wasn't even going to get it in Toronto this time around because of the fact that it wasn't full capacity for fans, and he recognized that it was obviously a little more difficult getting friends and family and a bunch of people across the border. Um, It would be a a bit too much of a headache. So even from that standpoint, had he been healthy... He didn't even want to do it this time around because he wanted to have a whole bunch of people that matter to him in attendance, let alone a full Scotiabank Arena and all the Raptor fans. Then it turns out, I think a day or two before the Raptor game, he ends up coming down uh, you know, by the, with the health and safety protocols and going into COVID protocols. So it wouldn't have happened anyway. Uh, he would have made all the arrangements, and it still wouldn't have gone down. So um, who the hell knows when he's going to get it? I mean, he's on, his, he's on his second team since Toronto and has already won another title in the meantime yeah. and still doesn't have that ring.
1: It's uh, it's a sign of the times, eh? It's a sign of what happens, what's been happening during, you know, during the pandemic. I mean, we can think of some of our friends, colleagues around the league that we haven't seen since that. Yep. Um, you know, since that. Oh, uh, since March, or before that, at least March of twenty twenty. I mean, we're coming up to two years, not seeing people, and and. We're finally catching up with some of the coaches, media relations people that we used to see all the time uh, when they come to Toronto. So uh, it's just uh, again, it's just a sign of the times, a, a sign of the things that we're fighting and battling with with all that's going on in this pandemic. Well,
0: some of those folks that we haven't seen in uh, in a couple of years, they're going to join us on the show today. Matt Bonner, uh, the former Toronto Raptors, San Antonio Spurs broadcaster, former Spur, of course, as well. We'll chat with Matt in, uh, in a couple of minutes' time. Also later on this hour, Dan Wojcicki, who is going to join us on Monday show. Uh, he'll be on the program today, and we'll break things down in far, as far as uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are concerned with uh, – uh, Rondo now heading to Cleveland in a trade and all the LeBron James stuff and Russell Westbrook and all the drama that's happening in LA, LA. Plenty to get into with Dan Wick. And then speaking of the Spurs, not only with Matt Bonner, but uh, we'll chat with Michelle Beadle later on in the program as well. Plus lots of uh, stuff on the National Basketball Association uh, and the National Football League and, and and much more to come on Smith & Jones. One thing I wanted to touch on last night Jonesy, before we get into the Raptors and Spurs tonight again, uh, 7.30 down at Scotia Bank Arena. Actually, wait a second. 7.30 or 7 o'clock. I, I always screw Group, the ones on the on the front night of the back to back. It is seven o'clock because the Raptors play in the back to back tomorrow against the Bucks. So again, uh, tip off tonight right here on Sportsnet Five Night the Fan at seven o'clock. Make note of that seven p.m. Eastern as the team will then head out asap uh, for their game against the Bucks tomorrow. Uh, but I wanted to make note of this, Jonesy. Last night, very busy night in the association. Ten games on the schedule. Uh, plenty of games that we could get into, including Golden State beating Miami by seven. But maybe the best moment of the night was. Um, what took place between Atlanta and Portland. And Trey Young with 56 points in a loss as Anthony Simons goes for 43 points in the Blazers' starting lineup, and it comes a day after his grandfather passes away. And in a post-game interview and in the post-game comments, he basically just spoke about feeling as though his grandfather took over his body. And his grandfather was running through him while he was going off for a career high 43 in helping stave off trey Young's 56 and beating the Atlanta Hawks. like what a moment that was. That's why so many of us, moments like that, just love, love, love sports.
1: Um, it's uh, It's kind of crazy the 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 inspiration that's drawn from things like that. Uh, remember wasn't Brett Favre playing on Monday night football after his father passed away I believe yep um uh, you know one of our colleagues that does the games for the New Orleans Pelicans Antonio Daniels former Vancouver Grizzly um played a game in college right after his brother died and there was a you know a crazy bounce and he ended up with a steal and a layup to win the game (laughs) right at the end of the game and he he went into the news after and he credited his his late brother for making that happen. So, uh, boy, that was that was something. Uh, the youngster was terrific, and uh, you just you wonder where he drew the inspiration from. And and it also goes to show, e as we talked about, there are no scrubs in the NBA. Anybody who says oh that guy's a scrub or he can't play, like I said, he come to your pickup game and just light everybody up Mm -hmm. Um, you know here's a here's a team playing without their two stars without McCollum without Lillard and this kid goes for 43 it just it just goes to show you that's that's the nature of the league people just just need a chance and you know they can go off at any time and then on the other side how good was Trey Young although the the, the Hawks are the Hawks are there they fall to me they fall into that category with the Knicks right now nice year last year opened everybody's eyes and it's oh okay well you're not sneaking up on us this year we're going to give you our best shot this year we 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 thought you were good last year we didn't know you were that good I guess we're going to be be really prepared for you and you know somewhere in the middle maybe the team isn't as good as they showed last year the old adage you're never as good as you think you are when you win or you're never as bad as you think you are when you lose but the Knicks and the Hawks right now for Providing us with an epic playoff series last year. Um, they're both sitting below the line.
0: Yeah. And and the Hawks well below. Yeah. I mean, I, again I'll reference for the second straight day. You love looking at that loss, Coleman. Who doesn't? Twenty losses now for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, that's 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 three more than the Raptors at this point, and now sitting four games below five hundred. Remember, Atlanta started the season really slow. Got hot. I believe they had a six-seven game winning streak, and it looked like they'd turn things around. Then COVID hit them, and boom, free fall again. And they got to try and dig themselves out of the heap, um, you know, a second time. And we're not even at the halfway point of the season. How about last night as well? Milwaukee losing, and yes, Giannis was in the lineup, as was Chris Middleton, as was Drew Holiday, and the Bucks lose to the Pistons. As Detroit shoots, you know, a little more than forty-eight percent. The Nets lose to Memphis. Chicago wins. So now the Bulls have a two-game lead atop the East, sitting at 25-10. and 10. The Bucks sitting in third place right on the heels of the Brooklyn Nets. But that Atlanta loss drops them down to 12th, and it just kind of opens up the possibilities a little bit more for a team like the Raptors, especially tonight, Jones, if they can get that win over the Spurs, get to 500, and they would suddenly leapfrog at least one team, you would assume, in the Boston Celtics, uh, and they'd be staring down the barrel of Charlotte, and Washington just ahead of them as the Wiz beat the Hornets last night. Um, And, uh, you know, an an important game for them in terms of the standings because those two teams right neck and neck with one another. So it's starting to tighten up a little bit more, and here we are with the dust settling, and the Raptors still right in the mix there to try and go on a bit of a run. But they got to take care of business this month against teams that they're quote-unquote supposed to beat, and they got to start coming up with a few surprises as well. And to get those surprises, it certainly helps – that you're healthy going into a lot of these games where you've got some of those bigger batter opponents coming over the course of this month with a couple against the, uh, the bucks and and you've got the nets on tap and you've got the Suns and more. Hey, at least you're healthy now and you've got the full complement of roster fingers crossed that it actually stays that way.
1: Well, and and that's, I think you, you mentioned the key point right there, Eric. It's the first time that, you know, Nick nurse has everybody available and they're relatively healthy. They, you know, they they could. This is probably what they envisioned, as we talked about yesterday at the start of the year. They could do some damage, uh, and it, and it depends on when you catch other teams. You know, what they, uh, you know, what their health situation is like, or or, or how they're playing. Like it, it's it's really 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 important that uh, the Raptors stay healthy. I I think this team could really surprise people, but then again, you know. <laughs> You got to have everybody in the lineup. What was what was the line from Sam Mitchell when he talked about in training camp? He, you, you can't make the club sitting in the tub, and if, <laughs> if you're the Raptors, if you're the Raptors, you, you, you can't make any noise with people that, you know, with people that aren't healthy.
0: Well, speaking of uh, Sam Mitchell, a guy that knows him well uh, from his days with the Toronto Raptors and, of course, the San Antonio Spurs, NBA champion, friend of the show, friend, period. Matt Bonner joining us on the line right now. Matt, happy New Year to you. Great to talk to you, man.
2: Happy New Year. Great to talk to you as well. Glad to be on.
0: Hey, Matt, I, I look at the standings. I see San Antonio 7 below five they They're the 11th seed, but I also then look just ahead of them. They're a half game back of Sacramento for that playing spot at number 10. They're only two back of the number 9 seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. This is the NBA this year, I guess, Matt. You could argue that it's every year like this, but The door is open, even when you think you're out of it, you're not. And especially when you factor in COVID protocols and teams trying to navigate their way through things, this game tonight is as important to San Antonio as it is to Toronto. And I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of teams, quote-unquote, out of it until about the 60 or 70 game mark at this rate, the way things are going in the NBA this season.
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the benefits of having the play-in tournament. It definitely keeps the season relevant for more teams, keeps them in the mix. Uh, Spurs, you know, you mentioned their record, and, yeah, it's not great, but I think they're a much better team than their record indicates. If you go through their schedule, they've lost a lot of really close games, had uh, multiple games they probably should have won if they just had better experience and ability to execute and lock in down the stretch, but they didn't. You know, they're a younger team, a lot of new players, and they're learning as they go. Uh, You know, you look at their differential. They're plus 1.2 on the season, which, you know, I don't know what that is in the West, but probably top six. So I think overall they're a much better team than what their record gives them credit for. Um, And, you know, that being said, I don't know how much you guys have talked about what's going on with the COVID situation right now, but it's, it's impactful, I think. For a lot of teams, obviously Toronto went through their belts with it recently, and, and it's interesting because, you know, the way I look at it, like, is it almost better? It's almost like I mean, you know, when we were growing up, young younger kids now probably I don't know if it's the same thing, but like with the chicken pox, like I don't know how it was with you. And look, I'm not I'm not trying to compare COVID to the chicken pox. Obviously, probably much more serious thing. But when you look at how it affects your 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 schedule and your ability to put out a roster that can win games, uh, if you're you know if you're a team that has COVID lingering over several weeks, where there's always like two, three, four guys out, is that better than just having every you know eleven guys get it? So then, kind of with the Raptors, they got they got got like three games or whatever postponed by the league but at least they like got it all out of their system and then you know now everybody's back and you got your roster back versus having you know two three four guys out over a couple weeks where you're having to play shorthanded and losing games not having games postponed not not being fully healthy having the stress of that of the virus lingering over your roster I don't know if you see if you get my point like I just wonder which which is worse when it, you know, within, you know, trying to win games during the season and obviously nobody wants to get COVID, not just for yourself. I mean, let's be honest. Most of these basketball players are low risk, right? They're young. I don't know what upper 90% of the league is vaccinated. Uh, They're healthy. A lot of them don't even feel the symptoms, uh, some of them have, you know, we've heard about the Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, and that's just the uh, the nature of the beast with this thing. So, but and, and you don't want to give it to your family members, right? That's probably more important. That might be at risk, you know, your parents, your grandparents, uh, unvaccinated, younger children, whoever. But within the context of the season, it, it's it's interesting the COVID storyline. Like the teams that can obviously stay healthy, that's an advantage. And then the teams, like I said, like, is it lingering over weeks and you're playing shorthanded and losing games? or You just get it out of your system all at once, kind of like with with the Raptors, and you get the games postponed and get to replay them with your full full roster. And I only bring that up because I think it's relevant for tonight's game. You know, the Spurs have three important rotational guys out, obviously uh, the most important being DeJounte, who's, Clear the protocols, but in reconditioning, you know, you got to get back in shape after you have it. It knocks you on your butt, so he's not going to be playing, and that's the Spurs' best player, and, and he's not going to be playing tonight, uh, which is uh, obviously makes things difficult and has contributed to this three-game slide we've seen the Spurs on. But it's just, uh, you know, it's just like an interesting little side plot when it comes when you're trying to evaluate uh, a team's season up until this point. That I think is important.
1: Matt, uh, I, I I checked. You sent me scurrying for the stats, and uh, the Spurs have the fifth best point differential in the West, behind Utah, Golden State, Phoenix, and Memphis. So they're in they're in pretty good company there. How? And and you know, you you said something that 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 struck a chord with me. Um, the Spurs always good. Uh, with the experience in close games always good in those games knowing what to do and you know execution and and just understanding what what has to be done to, to win the game and this is I think I read in the notes the youngest roster that Greg Popovich has had since he's been coaching in San Antonio how how is he making his way through this like you know Pop to me has evolved as a coach Matt he's a guy that used to be you know, come across as kind of hard nosed, disciplinarian type, and we didn't know about his the other parts of him with, you know, social justice and and you know his his political stances, and he seems to have softened a bit and 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 become kind of a media darling in that sense.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to answer the on the coaching side of things, he's really good at adjusting to his roster. I think we, we saw it the last few years when kind of DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge were the centerpieces of the offense. And, look, what was their strong game? It was mid-range scoring, which with the analytics movement is like poison in the NBA right now. But, hey, that's, that's who he had for his two premier offensive players. So he kind of adjusted the offense to exploit that and create opportunities for them to do what they do best even though the whole league was going the other way um, and, and slow down the pace. Right. He had Those guys, I mean, tomorrow get up and down, but you know, he had just had a roster that wasn't built to play super fast. Um, and this year to your point, he has a much younger roster. I think they're top five in the league in pace like they want to get up and down. They, they have a lot of guys that they'd throw out on the court. And give opportunities too, and so if you're you know play play hard, play fast. If you get tired, we'll sub you out, and, and they can wear teams down that way with their energy and pace. And obviously, that's not how he played when I was on the team with like Tim Duncan and and Bruce Bowen and guys guys like that. I mean, obviously the league was different too, but you know he just he's not one of those coaches is like this is how I do it. This is how we're going to play no matter what. He's going to look at who he has available, who's on his team, and adjust to the strengths and weaknesses of his team and his personnel. That being said, there's certain principles that are, he calls them cardinal sins, like, you know, don't don't get blown by middle. Um, uh, don't leave your feet to make pass. I don't know. He's like a, some of those old school rules that, like, you just are part of the Spurs system and you never break. But style of play and offense and all that, he adjusts to his team, which I think is awesome, especially for a coach that's been coaching for so long. And then to your point, off the court, and it's kind of, I don't know if he's led the charge per se or just kind of gone along with how the league has changed over the years to become more important with the the off-the-court social justice stuff and and just kind of uh, shining a light on, on a lot of injustices off the court, important things off the court which I think has a place on the team, keeping perspective. And, you know, over we talk about keeping an even keel over a stressful 82-game season, having perspective and understanding, look, there's more important things in the world than playing basketball uh, helps as well. And and using the sport and all the attention it receives as a platform, like I said, to shine a light on those issues is important. And, And I think that's been really cool to see as well.
0: Speaking with Matt Bonner, Matt, is there any surprise that Pop is still coaching?
2: No, I mean, I don't think so. He's he's in great shape. He's healthy. He's still fantastic at what he does. Uh, like, what else would he be doing, you know? I mean, obviously yeah. I can't answer that, but he's a basketball coach. That's what he is. He loves it. He gets paid a lot of money to do it. Um He's great at it. and Why wouldn't he keep doing
0: it? You know, and, and let me let me let me you know qualify or or explain the the reason I asked the question is I respect the fact that he's still coaching basketball. That he's not just looking at a roster, going, well, I don't have a bunch of all stars anymore, or I don't have Hall of Famers, or I don't have what I had for 20 plus years. I've got some young players that are hungry. And I'm going to try and make something out of this. And I'm a coach. To your point, you just said it. I'm a basketball coach. This is what I do. I appreciate the fact that, and we see it in a lot of sports, in all sports, coaches that either uh, are fortunate enough or they create it themselves because they're such good coaches. They're fortunate enough to be in good situations. But then when the situation isn't so good, well, they suddenly don't want to coach anymore or they want to move on somewhere else or they want to go to a situation that's got better players or a better chance to win, whereas Pop is – A coach and he's trying to make the most of it and trying to bring the glory back to San Antonio not just kind of front running or going somewhere else and I respect that even more than I do what some other coaches have done in other sports and that's the reason I asked you the question
2: yeah and to your point he has a roster of hungry guys like he would go down the Spurs roster and look they don't have DeJounte may be becoming it, but they don't really have a su- one superstar or like a guy you can just give the ball to and say, go make a play, go get a bucket. They have to do it together. Uh, that's why they lead the league in assists. That's why they play fast. They, they all have to – there are some of the parts. They need everybody playing together to win basketball games. That's one of the reasons I was lamenting the COVID thing earlier. It's tough. You know, the Spurs, if they have two or three key guys out, it's tough. It's really tough for them especially if one of them is DeJounte Murray, obviously. But uh, it, both, you go down the line, it's just a list of guys who haven't really had anything handed to them. They've all had to kind of grind and work their way to get to the, where they are in the league right now, whether that's not getting drafted or getting drafted late or getting cut by other teams or having to uh, mold themselves in the G League, uh, which the Raptors have been great at as well with their player development, using their G League and player development guys. Um, it, it's just a, a lot of guys, like, like you said, that are hungry and just want to go out and play hard and grind and learn and play the right way. So I think that's got to be fun for Coach Pop to be coaching that group of guys. And then also, listening to what you said, he's one of the few coaches in the league who has earned the right to not have a great record and the team's still super pumped to have him as the coach. You know what I mean? Like it's just a league where the, with the coaching turnover, like if you have a bad season or even for, in some cases, like a bad half of the season, it's like, you're out of there. Um, I don't know if it's a reflection on our everything now society or, or what, but it doesn't seem like coaches are giving a long opportunity to build something if they're not winning games right off the bat.
1: Hey, Matt, um, you know we always talk about coaching being more than x's and o's and kind of moving chess pieces and strategy and tactics it's it's being in the nba it's being a leader of men and we know about pop's background in the air force does does he has he ever you know when you were playing or even now does he ever let guys uh have any insight into that in terms of life i mean we know he talks about racial and social justice issues and and you know he's he's very progressive with his political thoughts but has he ever kind of let that part out a little bit about his prior life and and being in the air force and i mean you can see his military background comes through at times but i I wonder if he's ever kind of let the team in on any of that on mass or when you're when you sit down and talk with him
2: uh yes and no Personally, not really. I mean, I played firm for 10 years. I've been with the team the last five. So I've, you know, had the opportunity to hear some personal stories from his experience in the military, which were awesome, amazing stories, Uh, moving stories, hilarious stories, you name it. But as far – during, like, regular coaching, that would never come out. He's just not the type of person to ever – uh, toot his own horn, or pump himself up, or try to impress you with anything he's done personally. He's just really humble and self-deprecating. Uh, you know, if, if anything, it goes the other way. Like, you know, he'll be demonstrating footwork on on a cut or something, and and then like end it with like, and you should listen to me because. Because I played in the NBA, like being sarcastic. Because you never played in the NBA, you know. Like, like you know, he just like never, like I said, just never like toots his own horn or brags about himself ever, like about anything. Uh, however, the military in general, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. Being in San Antonio, which is military city USA, multiple military bases there, huge military presence influence within the city of San Antonio. So that's a that's a big part of. The, Spur, the San Antonio community, the Spurs community. We do military nights. We go visit uh, the wounded warriors, uh, at Brooks Army Medical Center, uh, hear their stories. Um, so that 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 kind of theme and peace is is somewhat a part of it, and that just go, it kind of goes back to the whole perspective angle. You know, when you talk about leader of men, being able to use perspective and inspiring stories that are obviously much bigger and more important than the sport of basketball plays a role in that
0: speaking with Matt Bonner Matt speaking of leadership um listen i i i i could be wrong on this i believe at the end of the day he wasn't coming back he was moving on he was going to go elsewhere uh but just a, a general kind of question looking back to the last couple of seasons how much does San Antonio miss DeMar DeRozan not just on the floor but off the floor the leadership and what he brought uh, to the Spurs over his couple of seasons uh, and obviously having a hell of a year right now with the Chicago Bulls?
2: Yeah, I mean, a hell of a year. It, and you're exactly right. Uh, he he is definitely sorely missed as far as a veteran presence, a calming presence. Someone who can really... Someone who, despite the numbers, put the team first. I, I really think DeMar understood... Even, you know, with his years on the Spurs, that they were kind of building for something in the future, and it was important to be a leader to the younger guys and help groom them to eventually take over the team and and take that next step for when when he wasn't going to be there. Uh, It really kind of felt like that. But, you know, his just ability to be able to, you know, We've seen him hit the two buzzer beaters and we've seen his performance in, in the clutch. That's not news or surprising to any Spurs fan over the last few years when he was with us. Like, he, he did that so many times where he, he, I, I always compared him, you know, to a lesser extent, but almost like Tom Brady, like his ability to just manage a game and understand the ebbs and flows. And, and you know, he kind of lay low in the weeds in the first half, maybe even the first three quarters really uh, use himself to collapse defenses and get his teammates involved, get the younger guys going offensively. But then in the fourth quarter when he had to, he'd just take over. And ice in his veins, big moments. He was taking the last shot. He would score 15, 16 points in a fourth quarter in a close game when, when, when he needed to. Uh, just kind of his ability to manage a game like that was really impressive. And now we're seeing it on a team where, look, last year or the last few years on the Spurs, he didn't have a lot of room to operate, right? I mean, his assist total was, was a lot higher because he he wasn't able to just go one-on-one and, and score the basketball and make a play that way. He's surrounded by guys like, like Jakob, and Kelvin Johnson and, and DeJounte last year. And I know Kelvin's shooting, shooting the heck out of it this year, and DeJounte's a lot better. But that's three guys in the starting lineup last year who other teams didn't really have to worry about shooting threes. You know, they could really sag off or pre-rotate for a guy like DeMar. And, and then he, he'd have to make the decision, you know, do I score for myself or do I hit one of my teammates, which he was great at. That's why the assist total was up. The points weren't as much, I think. And now this year he's on the bulls, which are the number one three point shooting team in the league. And you got, he's are surrounding him with guys that you have to stay locked up with and just give him, he has that much more space to operate and he's just going to town. Like it's, it's really impressive to see. Um, and you look at his impact on the team, how much better the bulls are after that signing. Obviously they added some other guys too, which, which turned out to be the right mix. Um, and you look at his defense, which has always kind of been a knock. Uh, but, look, the Bulls are 12th in the league, I think, last time I looked up defensively. And, that, you know, that's a starting lineup with also Lucevic and Zach Levine, which, you know, no disrespect to them, but aren't considered or regarded as the greatest of defenders. But they're trying. They're trying, They're competing. Uh, They got Caruso in there mixing it up, and they've made themselves a good enough defensive team that when you have that type of offensive firepower, it it, now they're the number one team in the East in in a really good Eastern Conference, the deepest we've seen it in a really long time. Uh, Got Coach Donovan, my old college coach, got those guys playing hard and playing together, and it's been a lot of a lot of fun watching the Bulls team this season, and obviously Demar a huge part of that, so. Look, I got him in my starting lineup in the All-Star game. He definitely deserves that. And I don't know how you don't talk about him in the MVP conversation as well.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And the Raptors will see the Bulls a couple times in the upcoming month uh, after the announcement was made yesterday with some of the uh, postponed games being made up. So we've got all those dates, but the uh, date that matters most right now, the Raptors and Spurs tonight down at Scotiabank Arena, 7 p.m. Eastern, the uh, tip-off time. Matt, thanks for joining us. Glad to hear you're doing well and look forward to speaking with you soon.
2: Yeah, all the best. Stay warm and uh, good luck to the Raptors and the Spurs tonight.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks, Matty. Thanks, Matt. There is Matt Bonner, former Toronto Raptor, longtime San Antonio Spur NBA champion. We'll talk more about tonight's game a little bit later on with Michelle Beadle, but we'll continue on the NBA chatter uh, as we will turn our attention to the Los Angeles Lakers and other stuff happening around the association when uh, national NBA writer Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times joins us on Smith & Jones. Back on Smith & Jones. Paul Jones, Eric Smith with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show as well. Thanks to Matt Bonner for joining us as the Raptors get set for the San Antonio Spurs tonight. It's a double dip of Smith & Jones as we've got the play-by-play action for you starting at 7 o'clock Eastern. Again, make sure you take note of that, folks. 7 p.m. Eastern time, the tip-off tonight. Not the usual 7.30. 7 p.m. Eastern as the Raptors play on the front night of the back-to-back in Milwaukee against the Bucks tomorrow. The Bucks will be licking their chops after losing last night to the Detroit Pistons. So, uh, certainly, an important game for the Raptors, Jonesy. Take care of the one on your home floor and then uh, let the chips fall where they may in enemy territory tomorrow against an old uh, foe, the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as you said, Milwaukee, as you said, Eric, licking their chops. They will not be happy. Uh, losing that game and then the Raptors go in there on the back-to-back, hopefully at 500. But um, like you said, take care of things first. And again, it's going to be weird for us doing the game uh, in an empty arena tonight. And and uh, again, the, the, the Toronto Raptors unique, the only Canadian team in the NBA and the only one going through you know, this part of COVID protocols and, and the pandemic playing with the modifications in their own arena uh, they just they won't have the energy as we talked about they'll have to create it themselves and uh it just it it just makes for a a, a different uh, difficult at times but definitely a different situation if you're the Raptors
0: well and the impressive thing thus far though has certainly been how they've responded uh the last two games obviously with the victories uh over the Clippers and the New York Knicks and, and we, we mentioned on yesterday's show, we talked to Fred VanVleet about it. Scotty Barnes weighed in a little bit more on it as well, creating that energy you just spoke of, Jonesy. And, and it does kind of just kind of harken back to when you were a kid. I mean, listen, these, kids, these guys have probably been playing in full gym since grade 7, 8, let alone certainly high school and college. But at the same time, uh, I think it was Fred that said to us, "It just put your head down and it's the love of the game. It's the job. It's playing the sport. And I think a lot of these guys, um, I, in fact, I would, I would hazard to guess every single one of these guys, would be doing this, whether it was 20,000 people or two people. They'd be they'd be out shooting hoops in their driveway, in an empty gym. Uh, they'd be finding a hoop somewhere, some way, to be getting up shots and to be honing their skills and working on their game. And whether they're playing pickup with buddies or in a controlled environment or in runs in the summertime, whatever it may be, they're not always playing in front of 10, 15, 20,000, right? As much as they'd love to. So I think when that ball goes up and the competitive juices kick in, just like your weekend warrior, nobody wants to lose. And, and whether anybody's watching or not, you're out there to have fun, to play the sport, and for these guys to do a job. And, you know, I give them full marks for being able to keep that focus and do what they've done these last two games. And I, I have no reason to think that it wouldn't continue tonight against San Antonio, uh, especially with this team being healthy now. And that's the biggest key is uh, getting healthy and guys – Settling into not just roles, but settling into comfort with one another, because they haven't had a whole lot of time this year to 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 do that and to figure it out.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and you know it's funny because, like we said, we're we're a third of the way in, and the Raptors finally have everybody together, and you know look like they might be trying to trying to start just start to figure it out now, and better better late than never. Um, you know they've been able to hang in and be one game below five hundred with everything that's come at them. So maybe this is a time to, you know, get it together and and make a run and and as you said, settle into roles and and uh, have things more clearly defined and you know even for the coaching staff to 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 have to know what combinations they can use when everybody's healthy. So uh, it's an important time. It, it really is. And and again, we look at the East. There's what? There's three two and a half games from six to ten it's it's that close there's three games from from five to ten and it's it's that close in the east and they're going to be pounding on each other for the duration of the year you get a i wouldn't say a freebie but you get a chance to uh, you know get one uh from from a team in in the other conference you don't have to worry about uh, where you are in the stands and get standings if you lose I, i mean it doesn't help if you if you win in that sense the same way but A win's a win, and, you know, they got San Antonio. You just heard Matt Bonner tell us they're coming in here without some of their regulars. Hey, man, sorry for San Antonio, but it's the old sorry, not sorry. Jump on them, get the win, and, and don't worry about things.
0: Again, Raptors and Spurs tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern down at Scotiabank Arena. We'll have that call for you right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, I want to look back to a, a, a couple other games last night, Jonesy, as we talked about earlier in the in the show. I highlighted a couple of them with Golden State beating Miami, and of course we've mentioned a couple of times now the Bucks losing to the Detroit Pistons. Philadelphia gets another win, as they should, uh, over the Houston Rockets. So Philly's starting to rise uh, a little bit higher in the Eastern Conference in terms of the streak they're on. They've won four in a row. The Bulls having won eight in a row. DeMar DeRose and after the game shooting free throws. Uh, In spite of the fact that the Bulls got the victory over the Magic, DeMar pretty uh, upset himself for the fact uh, that he went just 7 of 13 at the stripe, and there he was in full uniform still after the ball game, an empty arena, getting up free throws. And that's the kind of guy DeMar is. Uh, had a team-high 29 and was still out there working on his game uh, well after the final buzzer had gone. But, Jonesy, one of the the, the games I wanted to highlight, I'm going to hit you out of left field with this one because we have not mentioned this guy's name the entire season. And with due respect, there has been no reason to. But when I look at the struggles that the New Orleans Pelicans have had this year. And our guy Jonas Valanchoon is having a solid season. I still like some of the parts that they have, obviously, with the with, uh, you know, Ingram and, and, and others. I mean there there are good pieces on that team. But the biggest piece of all that's missing, and I'm getting to the point where and I haven't even Googled to look at pictures to see what condition he might be in, whatever else, Zion Williamson. Yeah. Like are yeah. we going to be starting to talk uh, sooner than later about Greg Oden territory here, or like what's what's happening with Zion and the fact that uh, I, I got to assume at this point when they used to say the cliche of no news is good news, I don't know if no news is bad news right now. What what is happening with this youngster and what uh, what kind of an impact might he have if slash when he returns, whether it's this season, next season? I mean, this kid's career, a uh, very young career, has been derailed a couple of times now and. Uh, I I just hope the best for him, but man, we, we don't hear a word about him anymore.
1: No, it's, uh, Eric, um, pure and simple to me, it's a size thing. I mean, the guy that big that's that quick and mobile and generates that much force, I mean, his body, I think his body's just having trouble, um, you know, having trouble handling it. You know, it's back in the day, there was a, a running back for the Oklahoma Sooners and and guy played in the in the NFL too, Marcus Dupree, that was he was constantly having uh injuries like leg injuries hamstring injuries because his 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 body was couldn't handle his own strength and i i, I look at zion and i don't think we're talking greg odin territory at least not with the injuries uh because i'm hoping they'll 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 rehab and we're a little further ahead medically and and with technology to to help him out but we're sure talking Greg Oden territory when you look at the guy that was picked behind him, right? The guy that yeah. was picked behind Greg Oden was Kevin Durant. Uh, the guy that was picked behind Zion Williamson is John Morant. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's easier. Let I'll, I'll take what's left. I don't know which one to take, one or two. Uh, you take who you want, and I'll, I'm okay with what's left either way. <laughs> and, and uh I, I would love to see Williamson healthy. I, I really would because yes. the, the kid's a terrific player. Um, again, I, I'll default to another young African-American, a young black coach, and Willie Green gets an opportunity like Chauncey Billups, uh, like Steven Silas. They get chances, and they walk into something that is a mirage. It's not what they think they're getting. It's 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 not a healthy Uh, zion williamson with you know all the pieces around them with brandon ingram and hart and valent it's not he's not there you know for chauncey billups the guy who hired him that the general manager is gone that there's controversy around the star player does he is he going to stay should he stay all of that you know stephen silas thinks he's getting westbrook and harden and he comes in and he's got the number two pick in the draft like it's just it it's uh it's it, it's tough on the coach, uh it's tough on the franchise because you can bet a lot of people bought season tickets. I mean, we saw the video E, what a what a, a celebration there was when the Pelicans got the number one pick in the year that Zion was coming out. Season ticket sales went crazy. And now here they are again, you know, you you, you peek down at the standings and they're they're second from the bottom, thirteen and twenty four. Um it's just it's just really, really difficult. And I'd love to see the kid get healthy. And I, I, I don't think, Eric, I mean, you, you make a good point. I don't think we're in Greg Oden territory, but, man, he hasn't had a lot of games. He hasn't played a lot of games, and we're still waiting to see how healthy he's going to be. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're closer than to that than, than I think we are, but uh, I just want to see the kid healthy.
0: Yep. Well, listen, I want to see him healthy as well. And I'm, I'm looking for a segue, a transition here, Jonesy. And I, I don't think I'm throwing you under the bus by saying this, but you often talk about another guy, uh, not quite as, uh, as as banged up as Zion right now, but he's banged up all the time. And you always say leading the league in MRIs, yep. Anthony Davis, out of the lineup right now for the Lakers. The Lakers in a world of hurt right now in more than one way. And do try and uh, make sense of what is happening in Los Angeles from the L.A. Times National NBA writer, Dan Wojcicki. Dan, appreciate the time as always.
3: I, I was – 100% sure, Eric, you were going to say. And speaking of unhealthy, Dan oh. from the Los Angeles Times. I thought, I thought that was where we were going. Um, so thank you uh, for putting no. it on AD.
0: I yeah, it's it. all on AD. Not you. I would never go after you like that. Never. <laughs> never, Dan. Um, all yes. right, so let me just say, plain and simple, what is going on with the Lakers, and when will they figure it out, if they figure it out?
3: Well, this is what's so funny, right, is because – um, there's actually like slivers of optimism here right now. Slivers. And I think that's because, you know, we've been sort of adrift in sort of a season where they've had no real identity, where guys have been hurt. Um, they've mostly played really poorly. Um, they haven't figured it out, you know? That's, I mean, quite simply, like they're a team that is, it's like if you put a puzzle in front of them, like the pieces haven't even started to be connected. Well, like kind of post AD injury. They've really settled into. Um, I mean, LeBron James is their center right now, and a lot of like and almost on defense. Certainly, um, you know that they, they play very small lineups, um, not dissimilar to what Houston did. Um, you know, with Robert Covington when they when they traded Clint Capella uh, two years ago to kind of clear up lanes for Russell Westbrook. And look, um, you know, they've won a couple games in a row. Um, they've played well for a couple weeks. Um, even though they've lost some games in there and, um, you know, as they've kind of come out the other side of their, their COVID, um, their kind of COVID battle early this season, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of have a little bit of an identity and look, we'll find out soon if it's real or not. I, I, I mean, I don't know that we'll know if they beat the Kings tonight, like, you know, that'll be great if they play well, like fine. Um, you know they they haven't really been tested by a, a great team, but they get Atlanta and Memphis this weekend um, inside the building formerly known as Staples Center. So uh, I, I think you know if they can kind of get through these next three games with you know maybe two wins and continuing to play a little well, like maybe we're starting to see a team on the uptick.
1: Uh, it's wild, it, yeah. It's, it's and again. it's it's got to be disappointing too, Dan. When you look at when you look at them sitting. Uh, You know, LeBron could barely say the words play in tournament last year. And there they are sitting firmly in in the middle of it. And I think that's where they're going to be. You know, they're going to be in a dogfight to be to be, you know, anywhere from four to four to four to eight or four to nine. And they could get into it again. The disappointment has to be huge, though, for that franchise.
3: Well, well, look, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if they end up, Back kind of in a playing tournament situation, where then they see either Golden State or Phoenix in the first round. Look, I mean, they have LeBron James, right? So, like, they have more than a puncher's chance in any series. Um, they were up two-one against Phoenix last year in a very similar sort of circumstance, where the injuries kind of forced them to underperform, and um, they were in a really good position against the Suns until Anthony Davis got hurt, and then uh, they were in a really bad position really quickly. Um, so, I, I think you, you know, look, are they gonna? Are, are they gonna? freak out about kind of bad seating i don't think so but um i, I think kind of more big picture right like the Jones, they just gotta play well yeah right like at a certain point like you just have to sort of look like a good team and not just be sort of a bunch of talent on paper that you think could be a good team and and i think that's sort of more of what we've seen a little bit lately and now look um for all this talk about situations and kind of uh you know and strategy and whatever like LeBron James has been otherworldly, mm-hmm. you know, um, for for the last eight games. Has um, just been fantastic. Seven straight thirty-point games. They got snapped, but he was terrific on defense. Um, you know, not like this is a, a huge thing, but you know, Nas Reed from from Minnesota, the Carl Anthony Towns backup, was just like feasting on their small lineups, right? And then they they exclusively put LeBron on him in the fourth quarter. He went scoreless. The the Lakers pull away and. You know, they get a win and they can feel a little good again. Um, You you know, it's weird to celebrate these kinds of victories against a Tivolous team that didn't have Carl Anthony Downs or D'Angelo Russell. Um, But that's sort of this year, too, right? Like, you can only beat who's in front of you. And you're going to catch teams on bad nights. And guess what? Like, the Lakers have played a bunch of teams when they haven't had their best players, too. Um, I, I just think, like, they're building little slivers of positive momentum. I think they found something with this LeBron at center lineup, obviously um, when Anthony Davis comes back, he'll play more center, but like those are the two centers on this team. Like we won't see, I don't think a lot of Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan, big picture on this team. I think that's kind of what they've unlocked is that is how they are going to play. And um, you know, that's a, it's a really interesting weapon to have a guy like LeBron James, you know, setting screens for, for Russell Westbrook and running pick and roll with Russell Westbrook. Like, that that's given teams some problems there, and I think as the Lakers get more comfortable with that, it, it, it could be a real weapon.
0: Hey Dan, I I hesitated in my own brain if I was even going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask this question, seeing as we're on the LeBron James topic, and and I'll, I'm going to preface this by saying I've I've always been a LeBron supporter. I'm not one of these LeBron haters. I, I don't even know why those yeah. people exist. And to his to his credit, he's a guy that has. <laughs> Kept his nose clean, and he stayed out of the headlines in terms of the negativity. We're not talking about DUIs or drugs or all this stuff, right? It's all been good. How much of a pushback, if any, was there, especially in the state of California, uh, and I'm talking as a Canadian here from what we're doing with and dealing with a lockdown arena and no fans and everything else and the way that Canada's dealt with COVID. How much pushback was there for posting the meme with the Spider-Mans pointing to each other with COVID, flu, uh, or cold, and LeBron putting that out there, I, and part of the reason I bring it up too is you just mentioned playing the Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns, and I, I I appreciate I'm politicizing and ed- editorializing a little bit here, but so many people have lost their lives, lost loved ones, Carl Anthony Towns at the top of that list and you've got the face of the league putting that out. I can't imagine that was received well by at least some.
3: No, it was received poorly, and I think um You you know, we pressed him on it. I think his answer was sort of received poorly, too, which was sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I was actually saying, like, we forget about this other stuff. Um, That's not what I think he was saying. And I think, again, like, these are the the pitfalls of um, a meme-based culture, right, where you find something that you think kind of expresses sort of what you're saying, but it doesn't really fully capture it. Um, I can tell you guys in conversations not only with LeBron James but with other players kind of privately – Um, you know, around the league, like it it, it is, I mean, they're frustrated like everybody, right? Like this isn't, this isn't anything I think indifferent, Um, you you know, you've you've got a league of people who, who, you know, by and large have gotten the vaccine, who've gotten vaccinated, um, who have, um, you know, a lot of them had to be convinced for some reason, but like had to be convinced to do it. And then, you know, you, you they look around and they see the virus running roughshod through the league. And then they also see mostly people be asymptomatic, too. Right. And that's sort of then you go get the meme generator out and you say something stupid, um, you know, and, and not. I, I think, you, you know, LeBron in this case was sort of a prisoner to his own world. Right. Like he's not by and large around compromised people. He's around some of the you know healthiest people in the world, save for Anthony Davis but I don't think COVID can break your foot (laughs) Um, or something like that. And, and, and I think that, that to me is sort of where that comes from. Um, But then, you know, look, we, we, he talks about being asymptomatic and then you, you, you know, we talked to Frank Vogel, um, you know, earlier this week in his first game back and he tells us like, yeah, I thought I was fine. And then like, you know, I didn't sleep for days because because of a cough and, you know I couldn't spend Christmas with my family, like I had to go to the doorstep to to pick up Christmas dinner that my wife cooked, and it's like this is having real impacts on people too so i look this isn't the first time lebron has been short sighted on social media it certainly won't be the last It's one of the weirder things about him is that he's just very online and i think um it it was it was not it was not received well um i think within the context of the n b a um I think I kind of understood what he was trying to say, um, but it certainly lacked a lot of nuance and definitely a lot of empathy.
1: You, t- you mentioned Frank Vogel there, Dan. How how warm is his chair right now with everything that's still going a
0: coach, on? Eric? Eric, you still <laughs> hey, the coach? Hey, that's, that's that's Jonesy well, asking the question, man. Come on, I I left it alone. Clear. I asked a question clear, one day. I've straight. left it alone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, um,
3: I, I, I think it's cooled. uh okay. I think it's cooled actually. Um, and look, he's obviously um, in a in a precarious situation long term. Um, you're ne- it's never a good sign when your NBA championship winning coach gets a short term contract extension, right? reportedly one year, like that's not good. Like that is never a good sign. That speaks to sort of the fragility of the situation in, in total. Um, I think though uh, there has been enough positive evidence um, in terms of. You know, prior to Anthony Davis getting hurt, like their defense has kind of kicked up into the top 10, which is sort of unfathomable. A lot of that has to do with competition, guys. Like, they played a really easy schedule. But um, they were a horrible defense the first month of the season. And, and like, really it turned a page on that. And I think, like I said, it feels sort of like they have found something a little bit here recently with with, um, with LeBron playing center. It seems like they've settled into some rotational decisions. Like, they're going to play Malik Monk um they're starting him right now he's been terrific austin reeves uh undrafted rookie has been a a nice player for them there's something weird like 14 and 5 when he plays when he just gets off the bench um and he is a he's the guy the guy who hit the, the game winner in dallas um you know he's been a useful player for them and and i think they're as they're starting to slowly kind of get their two-way guys back into the lineup it'll next will be kendrick nunn um, the the only player other than Taylor Horton Tucker that they spent more than the minimum on in free agency this year. He's played no time. he's played zero seconds. Um, I think as they get these guys back, like you know some of the some of the issues that they had with the lack of two way talent, um, it, it, they won't look so serious. And, and look, I don't think they're the best team in the West. The second best team in the West. They're not the third best team in the West. They they may end up the fourth best team. They may end up the tenth. Um, but but I think as they kind of kick back up talent-wise, um, it seems like they'll start winning some games. Now, look, you guys know this, and I know this. Um, there are 15 games bad stretch away from that, that seat heating up a little bit again.
0: Dan, we, uh, we're we up against the clock today. We are super late. we got to get you back for a longer chat, maybe in the next week or so. Sure. But we appreciate the time, as always.
3: Guys, I saw the guest list today. You should cut me short. You know, I don't want to cut into Beatles' time. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to mad bonner i'm sure went long like like guys i i see where i, I see where I stand.
0: <laughs> that's, it, it's that's it's 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 well yeah it's partly that all right i was gonna lie to you but it's, it's partly that but we're also we're supposed to break at 11 and it's 11:05, so i'm sure the bosses are not going to be happy right now so we got to go oh, but we'll get you back soon thanks dan
1: all right guys thanks, happy, dan. New year. happy new year
0: dan woiki la times national nba writer we will break we will come back with the aforementioned michelle beetle on smith and jones Back on Smith and Jones, Paul Jones, Eric Smith, with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, want to shout out? What did I miss with Michelle Beadle? You can find that podcast on Apple and Spotify, etc. As well as we bring into the conversation. And welcome to Smith and Jones, San Antonio Spurs broadcaster and the aforementioned host of What Did I Miss, Michelle Beadle. Michelle, thanks for the time today.
4: Thanks, guys. Thanks
1: for having me. Uh, now. Michelle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and tweak your memory here. I think the last time I saw you in person was the NBA Finals in Toronto. Uh, you were yeah. still working for the worldwide leader, I believe. You might have been. You may not have sure. been. And no, no, you were st- I was. <laughs> you were standing, I think it was on Richmond Street, downtown Toronto. I don't know. You looked like you were waiting for an Uber or something. And I was on my way to pick somebody up. Uh, with that was in from out of town because the world came to Toronto, and I'm driving by Richmond Street, and I wind down the path I hit the button on the passenger side window, and I looked and I saw you, and you looked and I just yelled, Beetle! And you looked like who is this? Who is this idiot yelling at me? And then you realized who it was, and you went Jonesy, and I had to drive off because the light turned green. I don't know if you remember that, but I, I think totally that was. I totally
4: remember that. That I, was I, I the last like I time so I saw. So much- god that was a long does that not feel like a lifetime ago that it like was a
1: ago. it was it was that was that's the last crazy. time we I saw do remember
4: it that's the last <laughs> time anybody's
1: seen anybody in person was the finals
4: <laughs> god that is the saddest look if i would have known deciding to leave espn was going to shut the world down i wouldn't have done it i feel like that was a, something i shouldn't have done <laughs> We're getting to hindsight because it was finals finals and then we all just stayed home and it was sad and it's still sad
0: well, and, and as an innocent bystander to this story, Jonesy, I'm, I'm going to call you out for not, like, I'm assuming Michelle's maybe waiting for a ride, or an Uber. You know, you could have pulled over, picked her up, taken her somewhere. She's in from out of town, Jonesy. Like, come on, man. What's go- What's happening here?
1: She's she's <laughs> she's waiting for some good-looking guy, not some old man driving by and winding <laughs> yeah. down the winter w- window and, 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 like, you know, <laughs> acting like a dirty old man at her. Come on. In fairness,
4: I feel like I spent a lot of my time in Toronto standing around Looking around with my mouth open, waiting for rides like an idiot. Like I, I just, I feel like that's what I did a lot of. So that makes total sense,
0: anyways. So, Michelle, let's let's shift the attention then to memories of 2019 because you're right; it does feel like it's been a lifetime ago, even more so for people up here like Jonesy and I, who thankfully have had games to call in Toronto this year, not down in Tampa or in a bubble and whatever else. But now we're doing it in an empty arena. What a bizarro world we continue to live in, both on the floor and off the floor. And I just, uh, you know, kind of maybe a personal and professional question. How have you found navigating through life, through work, through all of the changes and just trying to deal with the curveballs that COVID and everything else has has sort of thrown at everybody?
4: Right. You know, I mean, I feel like I sort of have a weird advantage in that I, I did take two years off and it was in the height of all of this. And so it's almost as if I had time to observe how everyone was dealing with it before I actually jump back into the pool. And, you know, it, working with the Spurs now a little bit, it's that broadcast team, they're not traveling. So that has been one of the weirder things. Obviously, tomorrow we'll be calling the game from the arena here uh, in a pod, which has been, I, I've laughed so hard to see Sean Elliott sitting in a pod. Um, and, yeah, it's I, it's weird because there are guys that missed it. I think there's genuinely a, a group of people that miss traveling. But weirdly, I found that a lot of the the traveling groups are sort of getting used to it and don't mind sleeping in their own beds while still doing the same job. And it's, you know, it's sort of the new world, meetings. The one good thing is that we finally all realized we don't need to be in meetings in person. I never thought we did. And so that has been one of the, the blessings, I suppose, in all of this. But, yeah, I've had time to watch it. Um, I'm grateful, to be honest, that I didn't have to be around for the bubble. I think being in Orlando in a hotel room for weeks on end would have killed me. But other than that, it's, yeah, I'm glad you guys get to be home now versus Tampa. So slowly but surely, perhaps, we're getting a little bit closer. But, you know, I hate to say that because every time we think it, we, we take nine steps backwards.
1: Uh, Michelle, how much fun has it been for you? Um, and, and I know this and people that didn't know. Uh, weren 't paying attention that you have been you had been a, a lifelong spurs fan um i i 'd love to know the genesis of where that came from as a as being a Spurs fan, but how much fun is it now to work for a team that you you know you you root for that you uh you know enjoyed watching when they were winning and and now you 're you know you 're part of the organization
4: yeah it 's been it's crazy because there's, it's twofold. On the one hand, I, I never really thought I'd live in Texas again. You know, once I left 20-something years ago, that... That kind of felt like that was it Um, and then I find myself actually gravitating back towards friends and family which has been nice but the Spurs thing's been amazing because look I, I nothing I've done would have ever happened had it not been for the Spurs I didn't even know about television I didn't go to school for this I you know I just sort of was this kid lost dropped out of college and was like now what and they were nice enough to allow me to intern and I did a bunch of dumb things and whatever they asked and one day They sort of gave me a break and and allowed me in front of the camera. Um, You know, at that point, I had no business even sniffing in front of the camera, but they let me anyways, which was nice. And, you know, slowly but surely built a little bit of a career and they they are 1000% responsible for it and it doesn't hurt that it also happens to be the team the only team that I've remained loyal to in all of my life and so it's a joy it's a joy to see a lot of the same people you guys know this when you're around a team especially a team where it's one of the few things in town a lot of those people have been here they've been working this entire time for decades on end and it's nice to see all the familiar faces and, and be welcomed back with open arms and it's yeah, it's been almost embarrassingly kind, to be honest. And some days I'm like, what's the deal? But that's just me being cynical, of course.
0: We're speaking with Michelle Beadle, San Antonio Spurs broadcaster and host of the What Did I Miss podcast. So, Michelle, on, on that very point, we were actually chatting with Ma- Matt Bonner earlier in the show. And, and chatting with Matt about you know how long Pop has been around. And I, I said to Matt, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically I respect the fact that unlike so many other coaches in so many other sports, he's not one of those front-runner guys as well that obviously had a great team, played a part in having a great team, but it helped that he had great players. And then suddenly great players are gone and said coach moves on and finds a better situation, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, a better situation that's got a whole bunch of superstars and a chance to win again. Pop is just saying, no, I'm a coach. This is where I'm comfortable. I'm making a lot of money. I've built a foundation and a family and a community here, and I'm going to keep my head down and try and get these young guys better and and make something out of them. And I respect that even more than a lot of the other coaches I see in situations around pro sports.
4: No, I do too. And, you know, there have been days where the million-dollar question, of course, around San Antonio is, you know, when's Pop going to retire? When's this last year? Is this it? You know, I would – I'd be so confused if I ever saw Pop coaching another team. You know, obviously that wasn't related to the Olympics. Um, It would just ruin my world. But, yeah, there's something to be said for finding comfort or, or finding your content in life, and I think if there's one thing we can all agree on, on Pop, whether you agree or disagree with what he says, the dude has always been comfortable in his own, he knows very much who he is, he stands by everything he says, um, he's almost unapologetic at times, and it's, it's, it's lovely to see, and I do think there's something to be said about this team this year, obviously we walked into a situation where it's, no one's thinking they're going to win the championship, but... I do think that this young team has surprised a few people, and I do have, I found myself being very entertained by watching them play, and so I think that same thing is happening for Pop. He, You know, it's one thing to coach Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan knows what he's doing, and that was an amazing stretch, and I'm, I'm always going to be happy that I was getting to observe it in my lifetime, but it's also something to be said of taking a young, hungry group of guys and really coaching them, and I, from what I've seen and what I've been around, they genuinely seem to like each other. They like to play. It, You know, it's fun to watch. It's a different thing altogether. And it's not something Spurs fans are used to in the last 15, 20 years. But times change and we all get older and it's good.
1: Uh, Michelle, he's I mean, he's going to break this record. uh, And and that's that's something that is that's a to me, a foregone conclusion. But how long, as Eric said, how long does he does he does he kind of keep it going? I mean, Becky Hammond, who a lot of people think will be, uh, you know, the first female coach in the NBA has left, and I I listened to her yesterday, and and she talked about getting head coaching experience. People say she doesn't have a box checked, and one of them is head coaching experience. She's got that now, and and, you know, San Antonio's put a lot of time into her, especially Pop, and when he walks away, the questions are, how long does he stay, and when he walks away, does he say, I'm not giving this uh, Gene Hackman, I'm not giving the book to anybody but Becky
4: Hammond. (laughs) right yeah I mean that's yeah he's one of the few men that I think would be powerful enough to have a say in what happens after he leaves um but the Becky Hammond thing has been awesome to watch a because you know that's a hell of a contract that she signed and I'm happy for her and yeah that pop has specifically taken her under his wing they have a very close relationship and I I would be dumb to think that before taking the job in Las Vegas, they didn't have some really deep, thought-out conversations about short-term and long-term goals. And, you know, yeah, a five-year deal is a five-year deal, but we all know that contracts are meant to be broken, so that's not necessarily five years in stone. And I I, I still think she will be back. I think she'll be back here to do the head coach thing. As far as Pop, though, I mean, he looks like he's still having fun. And that's crazy to say at this point in his career, at his age, all of those things, all those factors make you think, no way could he still be having fun, but it still looks like it. And maybe, maybe the plan is to allow her to go out there, have a, a year or two of head coaching experience, check the box for those who have boxes, and, and come back here and try it out. It'd be awesome to see. And, and you're right. They've invested all of their time in her. It would be silly to almost just throw that away at this point.
0: Speaking with Michelle Beadle, Michelle, it's interesting as well, and I guess this ties into where we started talking about just the world in general and COVID craziness and whatnot. You've got a team seven games below 500, but – uh, and they've lost three in a row, and I know par- dealing with COVID and, and major key pieces out of the lineup, but yet they're a half game out of the final uh, seed in terms of the play-in just behind Sacramento. Uh, they're only two back of the ninth seed Timberwolves. I mean, this game tonight is clearly still a very important one, but in general, kind of looking at the season, it, with the play-in tournament and, again, with all teams dealing with the protocols, it seems like you know the, the, the conferences on both sides, at least at the bottom, they're going to be wide open all season, and y- y- even when you think you're out of it, you're not. And and for a small market, as you were saying, like San Antonio, that's got to juice up the fans That where they don't even have to say, hey, forget about our record. Are we there? Are we in the conversation? And do we have a shot to get in?
4: Right. Like, I, whether you agree with it or not, as sports fans, I think having any kind of parody, even if it is COVID-induced, uh, is much more interesting than when things are set in stone early in the season and we're sort of just playing out the year for, for giggles. And so I, it's the fact that they're – potentially going to be in that conversation and look they don't have DeJounte Murray they haven't they're not going to have Lonnie Walker and, and McDermott and those are big pieces but obviously every single team in the league is dealing with the same thing and you're right when we get to the end of this A who knows what any of these rosters are going to look like for how many days in a row. It's been a very eye-opening experience to learn names, uh, <laughs> you know, in 20 minutes before a game and try to figure it all out. But it's across, it's across the world in all sports. I mean, we're seeing it in football. That's crazy and weird. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I like the idea that these kids are going to try really, really hard. And they're potentially going to get a payoff in the end that most people wouldn't have expected. And it's good for their their confidence. I mean, these are some young guys. Josh Primo, who's up and down between the G League and here. A, I've never seen a fan favorite so quickly. Um, They just say his name and the crowd goes nuts. And I think for these guys being as young as they are, this will be good. It's a crazy time. It's probably the craziest time to be coming up in a league during all of this. You have such a different reality than anybody else is used to. I like it. I'm good with it. I hope at the end we do have some sort of excitement because I hate being bored by any playoffs in any sport.
0: Hey, Jonesy, I have to jump in. I have to jump okay. in for one second here, and I'll throw it right back to you. Just when, when Michelle mentioned <laughs> Doug McDermott, Michelle, one of the things Jonesy and I have done for years on our Raptors broadcast is we, we, we even either we track it literally, physically track it and write it down, or just make mental note of guys that have career games against the Raptors. And as soon as you mentioned Doug McDermott, <laughs> like, a little oh light no, went off in my oh head. No, I'm like, oh it's no. got to be Dougie McBuckets. It's got, he's got to have his career. And I looked it up. So career high, just as you were talking, I could quickly Google thirty-one times or excuse me, thirty-one points, two times. Last time was wow. against the Thunder, but I believe the first time was against Toronto because his career high in field goals made is thirteen against the Raptors. So I'm assuming that was in a thirty one point <laughs> performance, and career high ten rebounds in another game against the Raptors. So we're quite happy to have Doug McDermott not in the lineup tonight.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs>
4: This this is the reality we live in now. Any given day, the guy that kills you the most could be sitting out. And then right. there's the luck. <laughs> little,
1: little known little known fact here: uh, Josh Primo's dad, well, Mike, went to we went to high school. He was behind a little behind me in high school. So, like, what? Prim, yeah, Primo's a Canadian kid and. Uh, uh, his dad, by the way, is a chef, an excellent chef too. So that That's little awesome. little little known fact there. But uh, Michelle, I, I want to kind of sw- switch gears a little bit here. Um, I know on your podcast you had some thoughts on Antonio Brown and that spectacle that that happened yeah. on on Sunday. I just, you know, for our listeners and and for our own. Uh, interest I, i'd I'd love to hear what you what you thought of that whole thing because erica and i are going to dive into it with our next guest as well emory hunt
4: oh man you know it's it's well obviously you preface anything about antonio brown by stating this is antonio brown we're talking about and on the list of things that he has done or been accused of doing this is oddly enough uh the least I and mean, it's not criminal i mean he's done a lot of things that are criminal in allegations and so it, to me, it's, we all find ourselves in a very tricky situation. On the, on the one hand, and it's the best hand, people are starting to take mental health, healthness actually seriously. It's not just something we sort of sweep away and say nothing of. But on the other hand, those of us who get paid to talk about things, we're kind of in a, in a tough spot. We're not doctors. I can't diagnose him from here. We can assume what we might think is going on, but that's, I don't even know if that's safe. And so you watch him, and you just have to think how many chances – you know, how many chances do you give one guy? What is his circle in life? Who loves him? Does anybody if really give a damn about him as far as his well-being, his health, where he's going to be 10 years from now? And I don't know the answers to that. If I had to answer just as a third-party observing, I'd say nobody cares because – by now, somebody would have grabbed him and said, look, I'm not letting you go until we deal with this or we figure it out. And you see him standing outside of, of, of the Jets game waiting on a ride. You see him courtside last night in Brooklyn at the next game. It's just it, he doesn't seem like a guy who wants to get help, thinks he maybe needs help. I do think he's still very much in the camp of everybody else is wrong, and he's Antonio Brown, and what he does is right. And as long as that's the mindset – that's it now do i think he's gonna play again i've been burned too many times thinking well they figured it out finally they're not no i'm not saying that because somebody somewhere may be dumb enough to put him on a roster again even if it's for a game or two but he had tom brady vouching for him that's the only reason he had a shot again and you burn tom brady i just feel like you really you're lost you're just a complete lost cause and maybe somebody will get hands on him and fix it up but i at this point I'm not holding my breath. I think Antonio Brown. I don't know this story ends well at all. I think it's a sad thing to watch, but I'm also kind of sick and tired of thinking about him.
0: Yeah. Well well said, and, and I, I think the best part of that too, Michelle, is that, uh, you know, and it's kind of our job sometimes to comment as sports broadcasters and whatnot, but you're right, as not, be, not being doctors, we don't even know, we assume he's not right, we assume that, you know, whether it's mental health or whether it's concussion related or there's an issue, but it might just be there's no issue and this is who he is, but again, how the heck do we know, so we can only deal with what's being presented to us, and I don't know how you walk out on a team like that and walk out on your teammates, but... And then show up at the basketball game the next night like nothing's happened. It just it doesn't seem like to add up. Or make happens. sense? Yeah.
4: It's just such an unlikable. Everything he does is just, it, none of it's none of them are good looks. Uh, and again, he's not criminal, so at least he's got that going for him.
0: Yep. Michelle, listen, we I, I appreciate taking a, taking some time with us today. Um, you know, we'll uh, look forward to speaking again down the road. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, all the best for tonight's game and uh, future broadcasts as well.
4: You guys too. Stay safe.
1: Thanks, Michelle.
0: There is Michelle Beadle, uh, San Antonio Spurs broadcaster. And make sure you check out her podcast as well on Apple, Spotify, et cetera. It's uh, What Did I Miss with Michelle Beadle. And, of course, speaking of podcasts, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well.